Hi, Reverend. Uh, good evening. Uh, sorry, I've had a busy day today. I just want to record this so that maybe you can go through it. Just as I address the the questionnaire, uh, the questions that you shared with me. Uh, you are uh, the first one. You've talked about the beauty of singlehood. Uh, the beauty of singlehood. When we look at singlehood, uh, we, we my focus goes to young men uh, that spent their singlehood serving God, and they people like Joseph, uh, people like. Uh, Joshua, you know, people like uh, David, they spent their 19, their teen years in serving God. And singlehood is a very good period for an individual to lay that foundation of service. If you look at the, the lives of these men of God, they became great because their foundation in God, their early life was spent in the house of God, was spent serving the Lord was spent in ministry, was spent in knowing the will of God. And so the beauty of, of singlehood is that it gives you the time, the opportunity to live for God full wholeheartedly. And so when, when young people uh, dedicate their life to live for God, it is a guarantee going by the life of Joseph, going by the life of David, going by the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and all those people, Daniel, those people that are mentioned in the Bible, you can see Daniel survived four kings in Babylon. And this is because he spent his early years in serving the Lord. Even in the natural, if you look at young people, men, men that knew God at an early age, their life is not similar to those who have known God in their 30s and in their 40s. So the beauty of singlehood is just to be devoted fully into your, in the service of God. That is the time to focus on knowing your vision, that is the time not to focus worrying about the cares of this world, but just soaking yourself in the things of God. And as you as you do that, God will reveal to you the path of your calling. The greatest thing that can happen into somebody's life is when they come to know their purpose at a young age. So that is the key thing. Does virginity uh, equal purity? I really don't believe that. Virginity doesn't be equal to purity. Yes, to some extent, uh, virginity is something that is esteemed so highly in our culture and even in the biblical context, it is esteemed highly, but it is not a mark of purity. You know, to some extent, uh, uh, purity is far much more than staying a virgin. You know, you can be staying a virgin, but you have carried with yourself the burden of the sin nature. You know, you have carried yourself the burden of the sin nature. And that still calls you a sinner. That still calls you, you know, the fact that you have not engaged in the sexual sin does not mean that you don't carry the element of that sin. As long as you are still not in Christ, as long as you, as you have not gone through the new birth, your virginity does not, is not a mark of purity. Purity, you know, it is great. It is great to keep yourself holy and pure and just to consecrated uh, for your spouse. But it is not the real mark because even a, a person who is married a virgin will still deal with those underlying baggages that comes from um, that comes from the, the the old you know old nature, hmm? the old nature. So virginity is not the real mark, but it is something that can that puts you on a path on a foundation of God to bless your marriage. 
when you are married, when you are virgin, when you put your, when you value virginity, it places you on a path where God can bless your marriage. You don't end up building on these baggages. If you look at marriages, those who are fornicated in marriage, they really have a big. Those who are engaged in a lot of fornication before they got married, they really have a strong altar of inter of, of, of a strong altar of, of wickedness of immorality that they struggle with even to break in their marriage. So if you stay a virgin, all that you can be dealing with is the all the past sin that you carried over in your DNA. But from your life, you'll be having a pure conscience, a clear conscience, and it will not sabotage your marital life. It will not sabotage the blessings. There is nothing as bad as a sexual sin because it sabotages even our blessing in the kingdom of God. And so that is a key thing. That is all I can say about that, but it is not the mark. You know, it doesn't mean that when you are a virgin, you are poor. You can be a virgin, but your, your mind is corrupted. But just by the fact that you're living in a sinful nature is enough to, in a sinful world, in a world that is defiled, is enough to corrupt you. You are not corrupted by just doing the act. You are corrupted by even seeing, you know, the things you see, the things you hear are enough to defile you. So virginity is not a mark of purity. Choosing a life a partner, knowing God's will. Uh, this is a key thing that I think anybody... We are living in a time where people are so much drawn into looks, you know, wealth, money. But I, 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 I desire that a, a partner that knows the will of God is the best person that somebody should seek. I'm talking this, you know, as from the perspective of somebody that has been married for 20-something years. You know, just knowing the will of God that this is the man you have for me. This is the woman you want me to marry. It doesn't matter how you are starting, but when you know it is God has God is with you in this marriage, you know that your blessing is will show, will is is sure is certain. You will not struggle. You will not struggle to have a baby, because God has already blessed you. He is the right partner that He has for you. You will not struggle with with the blessings that accompany marriage. So, when it comes to choosing a life partner. I know people do matchmaking. I know people do a lot of things to manipulate, but I, I would want you to know that it is ideal. It is ideal that you seek the will of God. You seek the will of God. And when you seek the will of God, God will be at the center of that marriage. And marriage is likened to this, 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 um, this triangle with God at the top and a woman on the side and, and, and the partner is on the other side. When there is God, the aspect of God is missing from the beginning. When you try to bring God later, it will be too much expensive and painful to take that spouse back to the altar because you did not get him from the altar. You got him from your own ways. When, you, when, when, when things are a mess, it is hard to invite God to something that he didn't initiate. So better seek God. And uh, before saying I do issues, before I saying I do, what before you say I do, ensure that that person loves God. Ensure that that person fears God, that they love God. If they love God, then they will. They, you know, they will. If, if if they love God, then you know they will love you. A person who tells you to they love you and then they don't love God, that that love is not based on the truth. The truth is God. The truth is the word of God. And so the first thing you need to ascertain before you say, I do, 
is to love God. Ascertain that the person loves God. Another thing that you should do before you say I do is to do a background check on this person. What are the demons he's fighting? What is his background like? You know, I've come to realize that when you marry a person, you don't just marry the person, you marry the forces that they are fighting in their home. You get into a marriage and all of a sudden you start miscarrying. All of a sudden you start having those nightmares. All of a sudden you start losing jobs, losing opportunities. And the man is just okay, the woman is just okay. What is fighting you is the baggage, the baggage that this man is carrying or this woman is carrying. So get do a background check on this person. Ask the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that God has given us the spirit that is all-knowing. Seek the Holy Spirit and get to know what is the spirit trying to tell me. You know, what is the Holy Spirit trying to tell me? And you will be, you know, you will you will get inside. You will get to know. Once you know these things, take, deal with them before you say, I do. Take time with him and let pray over those issues so that your marriage is not sabotaged by things that you don't understand. And uh, I'm just going through them. So the skill of submission and empowered generation, mostly women. When we are getting into marriage, we should understand that marriage is a covenant. Marriage is not a contract. And every covenant has its do's and don'ts. For the marriage covenant, the Bible tells clearly, men, love your wives. Men, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. Women, submit to your husbands. And so marriage is likened, a marriage contract is likened to the picture of the church, whereby the church is expected to submit to Jesus Christ, the Lord of the church. And, the, and, and Jesus loves the church unconditionally. So when you think of marriage, before you think of submission as work, see it as what will make that con contract of marriage to be effective. That what will make that contract of marriage to be a blessing. So marriage should be entered in knowing that I'm getting into a covenant. And this covenant has terms and conditions. And this covenant, we seal it by voice that we speak. The words that we speak to each other, I know people take voice lightly. I know people mess up with voice. People just say them and they don't mean it. It doesn't matter whether you mean it or you don't mean it. It is a covenant. When you break the covenant, you will feel the consequences of that covenant. And so when it comes to this generation of empowered women, I tell you, most of these empowered things called empowered women, yes, women are empowered. But even in this empowerment, let us know that we cannot replace the aspect of a man in a family. He is the head of the house. He is the head. Whether he's jobless, whether he's working, whether he's weak, he is the head of the family. And if you choose to manipulate him or to take his position, the blessing of the Lord will not flow into such a marriage. And so let, let you know, let, every, let us get into marriage knowing that we are getting into a covenant a covenant with God at the center, a covenant with witnesses, a covenant, you know, with, with you as the woman and the man. And so when you are doing your part of submission, don't even wonder whether he's doing his part of loving me. Just submit. Just do what God has commanded you to do. Many a times if you, do, you wait until you see the other person doing something is when you do, you miss it. You miss the mark. You miss the blessing. And so that is a key thing. Ensure, understand that marriage is not a contract. It doesn't depend on your feelings. It doesn't depend on whether that person is what you expected or not. 
once you have gotten into your marriage, God has the potential to change somebody. God has the ability to transform the life of anyone. But you have to yield yourself fully. You have to yield yourself as a body. You yield yourself fully to your spouse, and then you submit the way they have, the, the word of God says. Let every, the man have his position. Because if that thing fails, you know, if you fail to honor his position as the head of the family, the blessing of the Lord will not flow. And what is the need of living in a marriage that has no blessing? What is the joy of living in a marriage where, yes, you can show and everything is, everything is there, but in the real sense, you can't sit down and talk. You can't even hug one another. You can't even sleep on the same bed. You can't even, because you, you can't even have peace in the house. What joy can man get when you have all those and then you lack the intimacy that should be enjoyed in marriage? And so um, another thing is challenges of singleness. Challenges of being single. The challenges of being single are many. And the biggest challenge is the desire, the desire huh, to be intimate with the opposite sex. That, that is a big challenge. And then we live in a culture where things are, are visually, you know, this era of information, there is a lot of visual things that are being projected. And these one are just uh, kind of perpetuate the lust that men have. And so the challenges of singlehood are many. But the word of God also tells us that if your eye be single, your body shall be filled with light. Let your singleness, you know, let your challenges uh, not be magnified like challenges are there but don't magnify them whatever you magnify will increase in size whatever you magnify will always look bigger so when you have challenges like you feel like your body is burning you can't stay without somebody let remove your mind from thinking and focusing on that because you 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 where focus goes where attention goes where focus goes it gets magnified and your entire being gets filled with that desire what you need to do is to minimize, diminish these challenges and focus more on God. Let the love of God consume you and such that these desires are there. These desires are there. These challenges are there. But the challenges are not overwhelming to your heart. The, ch the challenges are not overwhelming to your heart. So um, another thing is freedom and healing from sexual brokenness. I want to tell you without mincing my word, that when you have, have experience in marriage with married men, you know, sex with married men, sex with people with baggages, I tell you, your soul is broken. Your soul can, cannot be whole. And so for healing to take place from this brokenness, you first need to seek God to heal you from the whole, yani from your soul. Tell God to cleanse your soul. Tell God to heal you. Ask God, pray. You know, these are things that brings a lot of baggage to the soul. And when the soul is fragmented, your life cannot be whole. You cannot experience. It, is, it becomes hard to operate under the system of God and enjoy true blessings when you are living with a, a broken soul. You can thrive in the world because in the world, you know, they, it follows another Babylonian system. It follows a system that has no laws. It follows a system that is ending in destruction. Yes, you can do engage in sexual sin and do all that. And according to the worldly system, you can flourish. But in this kingdom of God, it is hard to flourish, to prosper, to have impact 
to have a ministry that is doing great and, and, and continue to impact many lives even for centuries after you are gone when your life is broken, when your soul is wounded because of sexual sin. And so the Bible says every sin a man does out of his body. But sexual sin is done on the board with the body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. When you destroy this temple, the word of God says God will destroy you. And so what you need to do when you're struggling with healing, with, with, with this brokenness from sexual sin, is to ask for healing. Purify me, O oh God. Cleanse me, O oh God. Sanctify me from all unrighteousness. I'm broken. Acknowledge that you are broken. The word of God tells that as if we, if we, you know, come to God, you know, if we come to God, we must believe that he is and as a reward of them that diligently seek him. And don't be guilty. The Bible tells us that, that therefore now, now therefore there is no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. For in Christ Jesus, the Lord of sin has set us free from the law of the, 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 law, the, Lord of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. We have been set free from the law of sin and death. What you need to do is to acknowledge it. Acknowledge that sin. That yes, I'm struggling with this sin. And once you have acknowledged it, bring it to the altar in the blood of Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus Christ is an altar. The Lamb of God who was shed, the blood of Jesus Christ who, that was shed before the foundation of the earth is an altar on itself that you lay your life down and say, God, I'm broken. Heal me. Restore me. Deliver me from these strongholds of sin. Deliver me because if the altar, the altar of sexual sin will still call you back, will still call you back if you don't delete it from the foundation. Renounce those associations with those souls because altar, wicked altars will still call you back. Yes, you can grow, you can forget, you can, but it waits until you are up there and that it, it, it calls you back. And it calls you back, you find yourself engaging in some things that you never thought you could engage in. So uh, that's all I can say. And then embracing God's divine, God's design for purity while single. God's design for purity while you are single, the way to embrace it is to soak yourself in the presence of God. The way David did, you know, soaking himself. He is in the field taking care of those sheep. But in the field, he could, the, many of the Psalms we read are Psalms that he, 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 wrote, he wrote when he was in the, you know, when he was taking care of the sheep. So soak yourself in the presence of God. Soak yourself in the service of God. You don't have anybody this time to tell you when, what time are you coming home now. You don't have any child that is beckoning you that school fees needed, that mommy, I'm hungry. You have all you have to care about is you. Soak yourself. And as you soak yourself in God, God will keep you and never, never trust your flesh. This flesh and blood can never get saved. It is only to be crucified. Don't, don't be so confident that you hang around with women, that you do everything, and you expect that I'm strong. The flesh can never be strong. We only crucify it. We only crucify it. So crucify the flesh. You fight it, you know. Bring it into subjection to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Take it as a real fight against the flesh. Because the moment last gets into you as a, as a single person, it becomes a stronghold, like you are laying a foundation for your life. That, and that will ensure that you, your, your foundation, will, your life will be shaky. Premarital sex in courtship. I think uh, mostly what I've shared before, when you engage in sex before marriage or while in courtship, 
you know why don't you just wait why don't you just wait uh, until you get married why would you test if the man is functioning why would you why don't you just believe that god cannot give you a man that is not functioning well that is not strong well you really don't have to test this thing testing we mean that you don't trust god and if you have waited for all this long why not wait until you get married why should you destroy your marriage before you start it? because engaging in premarital sex is destroying your marriage even before you start it before you are married you are not husband and wife you are not permitted by god to engage in sexual intercourse that is what the word of god says you know you cannot consummate what you, what has not started so the fact that you a lot a lot can still happen there and the wedding can be called off and you will not be judged before any court of law you know you will not be responsible to anybody but when you engage in premarital sex you've created a monster demon to come and sabotage your marital life immediately you start with mistrust issues most of people that are struggling with mistrust right now free lack of trust are people that engaged in sexual intercourse before they married you know they could not trust each other they could not wait until they are married majority of married people that are struggling with trust issues are people that before they were married they were engaging in sex, sexual intercourse that seed of insecurity was planted right there and so destroying such becomes difficult many people you find in their 50s in their 60s they still can't trust their spouses why because of this if you want to live a life that is solely dedicated to god dedicate your your life even during courtship i know it is tempting those times you are hanging around with your spouse to be but if you have killed the flesh all along i say the flesh can never get can never get born again you know it is only crucified you kill the flesh you crucify it you deny it what it wants you allow the holy spirit in you to quicken your spirit to be stronger that is when you can overcome the flesh so just ensure that you do avoid appearances that will lead you into temptation guides of attracting the right partner you attract what you look like if you are a cheater don't think that you are a cheater you will attract a holy woman don't think that you are a wicked woman you know with gossiping here and there and doing all effort god has a way of connecting people that are like minded so if you want the right man become the right woman already just become good you gravitate towards who you are you gravitate towards you you one who looks like you so if you are to attract the right partner become the right partner change your attitude you can't get the right person with a negative attitude with an attitude of pride with an attitude of offense taking offense at everything with an attitude of finding finding you know fault finding such wicked attitudes you have to let go and so become don't look at what the man has become you know look at who you are becoming and the more you are becoming better the more you get better so the more you are becoming worse thinking that that god will make messes god does not make messes don't ever think that whoever you are marrying is different from you yes you may be struggling with immorality but is struggling with homosexuality you know like like maybe you will be struggling with a married woman who is still in your a married man who is still in your life but he's also struggling with another guy that he was he was with god will always give you your like you know the person who looks like you so the what you need to do 
is to attract the right partner is become that right person. Women on making the first move. Women making the first move is not bad. But you know the Bible says that it's, it's the man who seeks. Whoever finds a woman finds a good thing. Whoever finds a woman finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. You are not the one to go looking and finding. You can show, you know, you can show like you are interested in somebody. You can show like you have feelings for somebody. But not just going directly and telling somebody, I want you. I don't see, men, 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 men really don't value people that, that, that have seduced them. It doesn't even look, you know, I know this happens, but I think men like hunting and searching and conquering and feeling like this one I've got for myself, you know, like this one I conquered. I, I took my time to pursue and conquer that. And so you can show signs for him to start that move. You can uh, let him know, not by speaking, but you can do things that women do, seductive things. You know, we read about them, how, how, how they, we've read about those things. There are so many scenarios like that, even in the times of Esther and, 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 and King. There are some things that Esther did, you know, like you there are some things you can do you those things you can do to let a man know that you're interested but don't just be too aggressive pursuing men in fact it turns off so many men so i don't i would not really advocate for that and so uh, another thing being helped to find a spouse by family society of the child of course that is a good thing we see in the life of isaac when Eliezer was given the charge to go and get a woman for Isaac, and Eliezer prayed. The, the key thing here is the, seeking the will of God. Is this the right person that God has for me? Because even Eliezer that took the woman, he was also trusting that the, 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 Isaac would love the woman, you know? Because the, the final say is with the man that is married. So you can do the matchmaking, you can do, but the pastor, the sisters, the brothers, whoever is doing this doesn't have the final say for the man. It is the man to decide that, yes, I like even, even Isaac, even Isaac got, got a, was connected with Rebecca, you know. Eliezer went and he said that, the, 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 God, I want, I, I, want to, I want you to show me the lady. And then Rebecca was there coming to water the animals. Rebecca offered to water the camels. And just like that, they went with Isaac to their home. And Isaac was refreshed. And Isaac told him that I've, I've come for a, a, a whatever, a woman for my, my Lord, you know. So it is not bad, but the final thing stays with the, the man. The do's and don'ts, uh, dating versus courtship. Dating dating versus courtship i really don't understand this um dating versus courtship when you're still in the dating field you are open to anybody you are no you have not made up your mind so i think dating dating is that prior process you know like you are in the dating field you are open you know in a relationship you know like you are open you're there single nobody has committed you are trying this, you are reaching out to this, you are going to those parties, you are going to those cashers, you are going to those 
festival, you are going where men are, you are going where women are, that where you can get the right partner. I think that is now dating. I'm in the dating field. I'm looking out. So that is very important so that you, you ensure you explore everything. You explore by exploring. I don't mean that you, you cheat somebody, I'll marry you, I'll marry you, I'll marry you. You just expose yourself outside there just to ensure that you're making the right choice. So that is important. Courtship is when now you have made a decision and you've decided this is the woman I want to marry. This is the man I want to marry. And what happens in courtship? That is the time you get to know this person deeper. That is the time you get to understand the baggage that this person is dealing with. And you evaluate, is it right for me? Can I handle it? Can I handle this baggage that he has? And if you find you can't, that is the time to cancel it. If you can, you inform your, your, your leaders. That is the time now you go for extramarital, I mean, premarital counseling, where you are taught about everything, about marriage, about lovemaking, about building a home, about relatives, about finances, about everything. A lot of things get discussed in, in premarital counseling. So, so that is very, 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 very important and should be observed. Let me see.